Welcome, friends. Welcome to the Bishop and the Moose, 30 minutes of encouragement uh, to make your faith alive and real in these exciting days that we live in. I am joined by Kirk Moose, the Moose himself, and uh, we have an exciting topic to continue talking to you about tonight. That's right, Pastor. We're going to be continuing the conversation regarding the end times. And guys, as a prerequisite, we definitely need to say this is not something to get into fear over. The Word continuously tells us He's not given us a spirit of fear, but of love, peace, and a sound mind. So on that note, be encouraged. There's going to be times where He tells you things so that He can give you a warning, so you can prepare, so that you can pray, so that you can repent. In all things we must remember, do not allow the spirit of fear to get in, but instead to put our focus on Him and allow Him to be our peace. That is uh, excellent admonition, not only for what we're talking about tonight, but for all of your life in these days that we're, we're living in. I see too many people, uh, believers, followers of Christ, that are becoming paralyzed with fear. And uh, certainly that's all you're going to hear uh, from the media today. No matter who it is, you're going to hear, you ought to be afraid. You ought to be scared. You know, you may die. I mean, it's just constant, you know, uh, stream of that. So we have to build ourselves up against that. Uh, we are not uh, deniers of reality, but we are not also, you know, buying in to all the things that are being said. Now, having said that, we're going to continue a little bit tonight talking about our conversation about last days. And here's the way we're talking about this. We're not talking about this in terms of prophecies being fulfilled, end-time prophecies of, you know, pro, you know, our charts and maps and this happened and all that. There's nothing wrong with that. We're not, I'm just saying that's not our purpose here tonight. What we have focused on is looking at what the scriptures teach us, what Jesus himself said to believers that would live in these last days. Uh, how do we uh, respond? And he, he actually gave us some warnings. And uh, I, I want to point out again, when, it, when we talk about fear, there's obviously that uh, fear that, that uh, Kirk was talking about there that is demonically inspired. He's not giving us a spirit of fear. That's a you know, demonic spirit. So, you know, that kind of, we know the difference, that kind of dark fear, that fear that paralyzes us and keeps us from doing it. But then there's another kind of fear. And uh, I illustrate that with like Paul one time, he said in letter second Corinthians, he said, uh, I fear my brethren that after you've walked with the Lord all this time, that you will leave the elementary principles of Christ. So what he's talking about there is not a demonic nagging fear. It's really a healthy, godly fear that the longer you walk with Christ, the more susceptible you are to let your heart grow cold. And uh, he's just putting that out there. And so Jesus said things like this to us, not so much like obviously he didn't fear, but for us to think hard about the times we live in. Now, we've already covered two of the really important ones. And Jesus said in Luke 18, 8, when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith on the earth? So in Jesus' own words, there's a good chance that when he returns, there'll be a lot of people that won't even believe anymore. And that goes with other scriptures that are taught as well, too. And then the other one we looked at was where he said, uh, because lawlessness will increase, the love of many will grow cold. And so we reverse it. Beware of a faithless heart. Beware of a cold heart. You know, it's very, very clear. But let's turn to a few others that uh, are there and explore them. And, and I encourage us as we think through these to be real practical and thinking of ways 
that we humbly seek to build the opposite in our life so that we do live with faith. We do live with a, with a warm heart towards the things of God uh, in, in these days we're living in. But let's look at the, the one uh, that is found in Jesus' great sermon on the end times, yeah. uh, Matthew twenty four ten. They said, what's going to be the sign of your coming? And he preached a whole sermon. You can read it in Matthew chapter 24. In verse 10, he said, in the course of all these events at the end times, many will be offended. Now, what in the world does he mean by that? Many will be offended. The, the Greek word there is an interesting word. It's a scant from scandalon, where we get the idea of scandal today, but it's really the idea of a stumbling block uh, that, that's there, and, and something happens that causes people to have an offense in, in their life. I, I was blessed many years ago reading Kirk, uh, a book by John Bevere, and one of the best I think he ever wrote, and it's called uh, The Bait of Satan, and it's all about how the enemy uses an offense in someone's life. Someone says something, someone does something, and you get offended by it. Now, the way we Christians do that, we get offended in here, and we don't say anything up front. Uh, but we get offended, and that offense is, I love what he called it, the bait of Satan, because if we continue maintain that offense it disrupts fellowship with with our fellow believers and with god it just brings a wreck to our life and so satan puts that out there as bait all the time for us to be uh, offended in our life is that is that something you uh, recognize and how oh, the enemy brother. uses it the, the devil loves to use offense in the church in the family amongst co-workers any way he can bring division between two brothers in christ he feels like he's got a victory dance on the football yes. field. Yes. And one thing that I would love to point out about offense is it's an awful lot like the disease cancer. Mm. Because once it's in, it can travel. What do I mean by that? If someone has cancer, let's say, in their liver, and the doctor says, oh, we got it all. Well, they always have to go for checkups. Why? Because there's always a chance of a reoccurrence, and it's not always in the same organ because those cells can move within the body and start reproducing. Normally, they die off, but because they're cancerous, they can begin to divide rapidly where they are and create a growth, causing a cancerous spread in that other region. Well, that's how offense works. Pastor Barry and I could be offended at somebody in the fellowship or somebody that's in the parking lot, or someone at the grocery store, and we could finally think, I've forgiven that person. But if we're not careful, yes. because of the offense that was already in our hearts, we could have a natural bent now yes. towards somebody else that comes towards us. And now all of a sudden, John Doe, who just comes over and makes an yes. innocent comment mm -hmm. that has nothing to do with anything that happened before, that innocent comment now comes against me and makes me or Barry or whomsoever feel like, oh, you? Really? Mm -hmm. Well, see, what, what's the danger in that? That person had nothing to do with it. <laughs> they have nothing but love towards me or this other person or whatever else. And they had no ill intent. But because of my offense that I truly didn't repent of or didn't release to God, I now have a prejudice towards a certain mindset. Yes. Now, because of that prejudice, I lead myself towards offense almost by nature. And what's the danger, danger of that, Pastor? Yes. You know, we live a lifestyle to where yes. we're always looking for the next yes. offense. When yeah. we're always looking for the next mm. offense, we live in an attitude of fear. Because, so, think about it. Because if it's, if it's not fear, 
there's not a concern for the offense. Yes. And it's not that you're a fearful person. It's you're a fearful of the pain and the hurt or the betrayal that the next person may give you that had happened before. So the spirit of fear is such a root in all of these it things. Is. It is. It's a, you know, what you're talking about there is so important because, uh, again, we couch this in that Jesus said, beware of these, you know, the last time many will be offended. Well, if a believer is going to be strong in the Lord, yes, they're going to have to learn what Kirk is explaining here how to deal with offenses because offenses will come they oh, yeah. always do it's part of part of our experience you know in, in life and and certainly in in our christianity in our world uh, uh as well i i was thinking uh you know Kirk, it was probably about five i don't know if it's three three or four years ago uh might, might have been five that uh someone just offhandedly handed me uh, a book that someone had written on their legacy of life or something you know it was just some self-published thing or whatever and they handed it to me, and I knew this individual. And, you know, I went back. I was going out to eat after the church service that night, and I just opened it up. And I just happened to open it up where he's describing a situation that's very clearly a thing that happened with me. And uh, he completely remembered the episode in a way that I remember it. I know it wasn't that way, you know. It was a person begging me for a job, and then they're in there writing about how I was so honored to have him, this person, and all those type of things. And I mean, it grabbed my soul when that happened. I read, I just absolutely, and I went back to the hotel room that night. I stayed up all night, I just you know, grinding my teeth and and rehearsing all this stuff. I I get on a plane and and fly uh, back to home, and and then and I get in the airport and call my good friend uh, Bobby Atkins, who's a good friend of both of ours, and I just started telling him on the way home from the airport and he said you my friend have got the bait of satan right in front of you and you got to deal with it quickly and the reason i'm telling you that story and trying not to put all these details into it but just to let you know uh no one's immune from this and uh what that did and the enemy always overplays his hand because what that did is drove me into the word to really explore this whole idea of being offended and now uh you know i have i have you know, and dealt with that in such a way that I understand it better. I'm walking in more spiritual light about it. So now when an offense happens in my life and boy, you get that first little wound that hits you, you say, well, there it is. There's a bait of Satan. And you know now, so, so what the enemy tried to destroy me with, I've learned to now be, you know, uh, able to overcome those offenses. There's one thing I think that we need to point out here. Many times we, as humans, or just normal people, everyday people, we simply think to ourselves, I'm going to run to my friend. I'm going to talk to him. Well, your friend's dealing with the same issue you are. Mm -hmm. Well, if you're dealing with somebody that has the same thoughts, the same mindset, and is not going to challenge you to get up higher than where you currently are, they're only going to encourage you to stay in the thing you're in. See, what Pastor did is he went to Pastor Bobby Adkins, who's also a man of faith, who also deeply studies the Word of God, and he knew, this yeah. is the caveat, he mm. knew, not because he was a friend, but, but he knew he would challenge him if he was wrong. Yeah. We all need yes. the friend that will say, oh, yes. you're wrong. That's, that's essential, I believe, in dealing with it, because uh, you know, we, talking about offense is so sterile. Uh, you know, it's only when they happen, because here's what people will invariably say to me. And I'll say, well, you know, what's happened here is you've taken offense. And they'll immediately say, oh, no, no, you don't understand my situation. This is worse. 
You know, everyone always says that. I said I would thought that, but so you can't think that way. You have to have someone to bring you in to saying, "Hey, right. look at the big picture of what the enemy's doing here, and 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 deal with this." I think there, there's so much to be said uh, about the idea uh, of the fence. I mean, we could talk do many sessions just on that one thing because uh, it's so big. But what I want you to see is that in these last days, it's imperative that believers understand how to deal. Uh, people leave churches. People leave relationships, walk away from people that they were in covenant with, all because of the spirit of offense that, that comes on. So everybody has to deal with that. And, it, and it, it can be real rampant in the body of Christ that people... Uh, don't recognize it and don't do not uh, re- respond to it correctly, and therefore it causes some major you know issues in in the fellowship and in, in their relationships. I well, think of one of the things that really feeds into that is this almost, and I almost hate to use the word spirit. There's almost a spirit of passivity in yeah, the church, yeah, because it's an inactive yeah. spirit, which you're you're saying, you know, I don't want to deal with it. I don't want to have that conversation. It's difficult. Well. Let's just use me and Pastor Barry as an example. We've not really had a, had a fallout, but let's just say one day he and I had a conversation. And I was right and, and he was wrong. Yeah, exactly. Well, go ahead. <laughs> well, one of us is right, one of us is wrong, but we're both adamant. We're right. Yeah. Well, at the same time, there's a conversation that needs to be had now because there's a disagreement, yeah. and it's not going to be fun. Do we deal with it or yes. do we not? Right. Well, sometimes, whether it's with your pastor, with a friend, with your spouse, with your loved one. There's difficult conversations you have to have that if you don't have that conversation, you're not going to work past that offense. Well, the Word continuously talks about don't go to bed until that thing has been dealt with. Well, you know, if we're not going to go to bed till the thing's dealt with, that means God expects you to have a hard conversation. And if He's saying till it's dealt with to go to sleep, maybe that means it could take all night to deal with it. Yeah, yeah. It's the main point is you deal with it. You cannot exactly. allow it to, to, you know, like I said with that, would this happen to me? And this is just one example, but it's one that I give because it wasn't that long ago and, uh, and, and how powerful it was, but I couldn't sleep that night. I absolutely could not go to sleep. Had an early flight the next morning. I was tossing and turning. I was grinding, you know, and, and you know, you've got to deal with these things. You cannot allow them uh, to, to, to go uh, wrong. I love what Jack Taylor uh, said uh, years ago in a church where he was preaching, of, uh, where I pastored, and he said this. He said, "You know what? God gloriously gave me an offendectomy." And uh, <laughs> you know, I said, what's that, Jack? He said, "He took my offender out." And you know, part of walking with Christ being dead to self, and is part of that. You know, I'm just going to ask him now. You can say that and live in that. I believe that, but you also need to know the reality of the wound and the hurt that will come. And when you recognize it, you have to deal with that. Uh, correctly, I think we've said, you know, trusted, trusted mentors, friends. Uh, you know, Dr. Bobby Atkins and I have been friends for as long as I've been a Christian. He was saved one month after I was, uh, and we've been friends. We've preached all over the world. Uh, he is by far earned the right to speak into my life in any mm-hmm. time, in any way. And I know he has. My, he's that friend. Uh, that was born for adversity. He's a true friend. He's walked with me through things that he could have easily walked away and said, this guy's a basket case. I don't want to deal with him anymore. He's he's just been a real real friend. So when you have people like that, you treasure that. Because yes. who did I call? 
when I got in that situation, I called him, and and uh, that that's important. And also recognizing, getting in the Word to understand yes. the teaching about offense and recognizing it and how to deal with it is essential in these last days that we're living in. If we're going to survive, can't have a faithless heart, can't have a cold heart, you know, we, we, we uh, you know definitely can't have an offended heart uh, as well. Let's turn to uh, a couple others uh, to look at if we have time tonight. One of them that is just simple. And but it's worth touching on, and I call it the deceived heart. Mm. When Jesus preached in Matthew twenty-four about the times preceding his return, uh, he said two things. In verse eleven, he said, "Many false prophets will rise and deceive many." And then he said this astounding word in verse twenty-four: "For false Christ and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect." So he uses terminology here of, of, of uh, perseverance of the saints, yet if it were even possible, they would turn away because uh, the deception is so great. And we find not only these words, but in other places Jesus spoke about it, and Paul spoke about it often, and you find that one word associated with the end times more than anything, deceived, uh, deception, it's going to be great, it's going to be supernatural, and it's going to absolutely wreck many, many, many. That's when Jesus said, well, I'll find faith when I come to, uh, uh, back. Uh, will there be faith on the earth? And so this idea of deception, um, you know, requires uh, in us, Kirk, a new level of discernment. Yes, it that does. the body of Christ, and I, I won't say this, you know, across the board, but that's an area we need to grow in, and we need to take crash courses in it because we desperately need it in the day we're living in today. Well, I think you said a key there, crash course. Mm-hmm. You can be a well-versed expert and still need a crash course. Yes. Even people who are sharpshooters for the yes. military or the yes. police, it doesn't really matter. They go practice regularly. People who are NASCAR drivers, mm-hmm. they don't just sometimes go drive their race car. They're continuously Driving on the road. Training. People who ride horses, continuously training. Mm-hmm. Fighters, continuously training. You know, mm-hmm. if we give up and we don't put in the work, it's yes. going to be like Paul. You know, we talked about the other day, Paul's always referring to the Olympics. He's always referring mm-hmm. to the sports. Well, in the sports, within the Olympics, you always have to be ready. You have to continuously discipline yourself. So in the same way, we need to have a crash course to keep ourselves in line with where we need to be. You know, I was just sitting there thinking, just not not too long ago, uh, uh, four or five sessions ago or whatever, we talked about this idea. And you said, well, how do I grow in discernment? You know, yes. and that passage in Hebrews where it says, by, uh, by reason of use, we exercise our senses. And we talked about our five senses that God gave us that helps us relate to the environment, the world we live in. But each of those five senses... Uh, speak of a, a, a spiritual sense. In yes. other words, I, I have physical eyesight. I can see. I have to wear glasses most of the time, but I can see. Uh, I have hearing. I can hear. You know, I can do it. But what about my spiritual eyesight? What am I seeing the Lord do? What's he saying? What am I hearing from God? What am I hearing from the Lord? That's much more important than what the world is saying in the news and all of those type of things. And it says by reason of use. So, you know, we begin to 
start doing look at it that way how am i using my spiritual eyesight how am i using my spiritual hearing how am i you know the bible says taste and see that the lord is good how am i developing that where i can discern uh, between good and evil that's basically right. what it says in that in that passage so uh, absolutely uh, uh, again a healthy uh, godly biblical uh, warning and fear but not fear of paralyzing, not not demonic fear, but a fear of thing. I don't want to be deceived in these end times, and uh, that that's very very difficult. I had an experience years ago, Kirk. Right after I became a uh, Christian, I was working in a little a bookstore, a Church of God bookstore, and um, this man walked in one day, and I was waiting on him, you know, to see what he needed, and he uh, started this spill with me about he was a foreign exchange student, and then. You know, it, uh, he was like looking to raise some money so he can continue to study here and all of this. And I was, you know, on fire for the Lord. I said, "Well, I'll tell you what, I will donate to what you're asking about foreign exchange student and all that if you'll let me ask you a question." And uh, he said, "Certainly." And uh, so I asked him a question about the Lord. Do you know the Lord? Is he your your Lord and Savior? And he started answering my question with some of the weirdest stuff I'd ever heard in my life. Now, gather, I've been a believer not even a year at this point, so I'm, I don't really, I'm not grounded in knowing and recognizing what he was talking about. I just knew he was as far-fetched off as you could get. But I made a promise I'd give him money for his foreign exchange thing, so I gave it. Well, I was in uh, the University of Tennessee at the time, and I was, during the time, walking on campus, and I look up down at the main area, and there was always somebody demonstrating or doing something down there, but there were these guys standing there, uh, passing out pamphlets, and I asked somebody, I said, who are, what are they about? I said, oh, that's the Moonies. They follow the Reverend Sung Young Moon, a cult out of Korea. And I went, and I looked over and saw the guy that had come in to see me. I've never been so angry in my life. I, I was not fully sanctified then. I went up to him, got right in his face, and said, you know, you lied to me. You lied to my face to get money from me. This wasn't about a foreign exchange. This was about the Unification Church. And uh, I was just you give it to him, and finally he realized I wasn't going to leave. He looked at me and said, "Well, we believe it's okay to lie; it comes to good in the end." And I thought that is, you know, I was just you're crazy. But the whole point was I had been deceived, and it was not a happy feeling. I always go back to that, and that was that's almost kind of a humorous thing in the way it took place. But it taught me something about the need for walking in discernment. Yes. And I was young in the Lord and obviously was growing that, but I'd never wanted that to happen again. And I'm I'm very thankful that by reason of use now, I can begin to discern some things. And, you know, what's going on in the world right now today? Kirk and I had a conversation about this. So, you know, we're, we're in a time period of viruses and, and social unrest and rioting and, and a presidential election. All of those things are, are going on as, as we talk. And it requires an incredible amount of discernment because I'll hear a report and I don't hear the report. I hear the spirit on that report. And it's like I said earlier, you know, they're just feeding fear to the American people through news outlets everywhere. And when I hear it, I don't hear what they're saying. I hear fear, fear. You better be afraid. You might die. And they just keep saying that to control. And I mean, you got to have this discernment. You have to have discernment. So as we talk about these things, Kirk, you know, a cold heart, an offended heart, uh, now a deceived heart. How do we, how do we work to practice? Well, in deception, we work with discernment. We immerse ourselves in learning to use our discernment that God gives us. We ask every day, my prayer is, Holy Spirit, you know, guide me today. Speak to me. Teach me. 
number my steps today, Lord. Let me know when to turn to the left or the right. Lord, I want to hear from you. I want to be in the place you want me to be at the right time. I want to hear what I need to hear. And uh, it's just, you know, it's an incredibly important thing that needs to be developed more urgently among believers in the days that we're living. Oh, definitely. And I think that's one of the critical points. We really have to stay active in our discernment. A baseball player doesn't get good at catching the ball and stay good at it if he's not continuously catching and throwing the ball. Yes. You know, you and I are not going to get better and increase the quality of hearing the Lord's voice if we're not continuously fellowshipping and talking to our Lord and Savior. Yes. Secondly, if you're telling yourself now, I don't even know how to hear the Lord. Well, the Word says that freely ask and freely you will receive because Holy Spirit is the teacher. It tells us that He is our comforter and that He's our instructor. He's our teacher. Well, so if you ask the Holy Spirit to teach you how to understand and hear His voice, then He will surely speak to you. But remember, as you move forward in that, He will never contradict His Word. And I I say that because there's been some who have asked over and over, and when a familiar spirit began to speak to them, And they begin to listen to false things. The word says that the, I mean, his word never turns back void. It never turns back on itself. Mm-hmm. So if that's the case, it can never go against itself. The spirit will never tell you something that's against what the word of God says. You know, in Second Timothy three, uh, Paul warned us there that there will be people in these latter days that have a form of godliness but deny the power thereof. Yes. And and it says from such turn away. Uh, you know, it's not it's it listen, you must be connected spiritually. You cannot make it in these end times, you can't make it any time. Uh, without a personal relationship with the Holy Spirit, knowing how the Holy Spirit works in your life, knowing that He's filled you and He is continually filling you, right. you, you can't make it without that. You you, you have to have that. Hey, let, let me mention one more. We've got just a few minutes left, and we, we could talk forever on all of these. But, you know, we're talking about cold hearts, and, you know, He said, love many grow cold. We talks about, well, I find faith on earth. Many will be offended. Uh, many will be deceived. So we're learning all these things. There's just one other one I'd mention, and this one comes from the Apostle Paul, when he says in 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 1, listen to how he words the very beginning of that chapter. Now the Spirit expressly says that in the latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. The Spirit expressly says in latter times some will depart from faith. We always want to talk about end-time revival, and I believe in the early and latter rain and those symbolism in Scripture, and I certainly believe a lot many will come into the kingdom at a time, but the Scripture says a whole lot more about things getting worse and worse and, and about uh, situations like people walking away from the faith, not walking to it. The word to depart from the faith there is a, a Greek word that we get, it's called apostasy. We've made it an English word. And it basically talks about your post. you got a post. And what is a post? A place you're assigned. In the military, you're assigned to guard this gate. You're assigned to that post. Now, a, a post, putting an A in front of it, makes it negative. You've walked away from your post. Now, most of the time, we use apostasy to talk about someone who's walked away from the doctrine of the truth of Christ and, and those things. And that's true. But it also means that where God has assigned you, you've walked away. And uh, that, you know, many are going to walk away from their posts where God has assigned them. 
Uh, it's it's a, it's an amazing thing. People all the time brag. I'll never. I'll stand for the Lord. If they come in with guns and point them at me and say deny Jesus, I won't deny him. But then they get offended again over some tiny little thing, and uproot their whole family and leave the church and break fellowship with everybody. And I think, really, you're going to stand in the latter times of great deception oh, come on. when you walk away over a trivial matter? I don't think so. And I think this is another area that needs to be taught and understood so that we understand how important it is to be where we ought to be. I, I was in California one time, and, and I, I left. And two weeks after I left, the very area I was in had a major earthquake. And uh, I, uh, I I just got to thinking, Lord, I won't, even if I'm taking a trip, to go to a conference or speak at a conference or if I'm going on a trip to, uh, you know, attend something or whatever it may be, I want to ask the Lord, Lord, is this, am I supposed to go on this? Am I supposed to be here? Uh, Kirk's wife and Michelle oh, yeah. Cohen and myself just went to Peru uh, late February. We actually returned on March 1st. Two weeks later, everything shut down. And uh, we prayed, God, do you want us to, to, to be down there? And uh, so, uh, you know, that's important. It's not just a big trip like that. It could be every day. Uh, Lord, I want to be where you want me to, uh, to be. And uh, therefore, whatever happens, I know I'm right where I'm supposed to be. And no matter what happens, I don't want to walk away when things get rough and tough. That's right. I've watched it happen so much. I'm, I'm on my. Everybody says, uh, "How long have you been pastor of the Church of Trophy Lakes?" I said, "Well, actually, we've had four churches here in the same location. I'm on the fourth one." They say, "What do you mean?" I said, "There's so many people come in and go and leave, and, and much of that is people leaving, moving, and and changing jobs, and all these type of things that are happening. But but some it just comes down to people leaving their posts. God's assigned them somewhere, but that's not important to them when they're offended. That's not important to them when they don't get their way. That's not important to them when they're not happy or things are." different difficult there it costs something to do it they just walk away and i've seen it in a small way but i hear it from my pastor friends and others all over that we're beginning to see that again these are not words to talk about well be careful this is going to happen it's happening now these are warnings for us now. We're living in the days where the love of many are growing cold, where many have a selfish heart, and they're turning to what they want, lovers of themselves rather than lovers of God, uh, offended heart. All of these things I'm talking about, and this one bigger than anything, a possible walking away from where God assigns you. And uh, it's uh, heady stuff, you know. You better be where God wants you to be if we're going to make it uh, through through these uh these times that we're, we're called to minister. So it's a, it's an exciting time, but it's a time when we need to immerse ourselves into learning what Jesus said to warn us about these last times. Not the world for the judgment that is coming, but believers for how you may respond during that that will uh, not be a, a good response and will wreck your life and witness uh, in, in the earth. So p- powerful things they hear for us to, to, uh, to remind us as we live in these uh, days that are before us. Wow, Pastor, I'm not sure that I could add anything to that <laughs> to really wrap it up any better than you just did right there. I got to preaching there for a minute, yeah. I think. You know, so, so. But guys, we really thank you for joining us today. We really enjoyed this conversation, and we look forward to having you with us again. Guys, God bless you. God bless you.